Grace, mercy, and peace be with you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus. Amen. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. I tell you this again today, that on this day right now, Jesus still is risen from the dead. He is ruling and reigning, and he is right with you. And he's going to come back to make all things new. The reality of Jesus' resurrection is just that. It is real. He really rose from the dead. And because he rose from the dead, Easter affects everything about our lives. So for these Sundays after Easter, we're focusing on this theme, Easter affects. Easter affects. As we each week take an aspect of our lives and look at how Easter affects us. Easter is the thing that paints a beautiful picture in our oftentimes darkened lives and darkened world. It is the thing that brings beauty out of chaos and brings purpose and direction in our lives that often feel lost and lonely. And today that is what we're focusing on. Easter affects my direction. Easter affects my direction. Many people in this world feel lost. Many people feel lost. They're ever seeking, never finding. Always thinking, never confident. Always grieving, never hoping. Always searching for more, yet always finding less. Without the resurrection of Jesus Christ, what direction does your life ultimately have? I wanted to find out what it would be like if I were someone who was feeling lost in this world and I was seeking answers for direction. So I looked in the place of almighty wisdom in today's culture, Google, right? And I went to Google and I searched, I'm feeling lost, all right? And I got whole lots of options and opinions of the reasons for me feeling lost and what I should do about it. I'm going to show you a couple of things this morning, and I'm not giving this to you to say pay attention and, uh, and trust this, but I want you to see what's out there. So here's eight reasons that people feel lost, according to Forbes.com. Number one, drift syndrome, which according to the author of this article, means if you've just drifted through life and ended up where you are, there you go. Number two, too busy for passion. Three, can't locate a purpose. Your social support is vacant. You have cognitive overload. It means there's just too much stuff coming at you. Distractions are fragmenting your focus. Bad diets fog the mind. And media representations create false expectations. Now, while I can agree and disagree with a lot of that based on just worldly conditions, I would say none of these things, from a Christian perspective, are the root cause of people feeling lost. There's nothing on this list about, you know, having a relationship with your creator. Nothing about the reality of brokenness and sin in this world. It's as if that's not even a real thing. It's really interesting, if you look at this list, it's a very self-focused list. If you just look at this, it's your fault if you're feeling lost, right? Sure, you can place blame on the world, but it's really your fault, all right, so 
if I were somebody that read this, then I'd say, whoa, all right, what should I do about this, right? So again, on the Google, you can, uh, that's what I call it, the Google, uh, you can find all kinds of things. Here's one from the Huffington Post about seven tips to find yourself when you're feeling lost. Here you go. Number one, remember what you love and go do it. Go on an adventure. Reconnect with your dreams and dream big. Expand your comfort zone regularly. Get quiet and listen. Remember, you have the power to be, have, and do anything you desire and ask for help. I need to be brutally honest with you. Don't take this advice as it is right here, okay? I'm not showing this to you to take, to say, take this advice. When I read that list, if I were to imagine myself as a non-Christian person with no relationship with the Creator God, and I were feeling lost and lonely and depressed, and I looked at this list, I would feel incredibly overwhelmed. Overwhelmed because I'd be looking at that list and thinking, it's all on me. It's all on me. The problem is all my fault, and the solution needs to be all my doing to fix it. It would be incredibly overwhelming. Plus, when I read this list, I think it's kind of funny. It's contradictory. Like, look at number seven. It says, ask for help, right? But number six, you have all the power to be and do whatever you want. So why do you need any help, right? Plus, the title of the article is Seven Ways to Find Yourself When You're Feeling Lost. I've been lost before, lost in the woods. When I was lost, the only thing that I could find was myself, right? I didn't need to find myself. I needed somebody to help me get out of my place being lost, right? So here's the deal. I didn't want, I don't want you to look at this to take the advice of the world. I just want you to see that there are a lot of people in this world that are feeling lost and they're searching for answers. They're searching for answers. You can put that blank screen up. I don't want to spend a lot of time, again, dealing with those perspectives. I just want you to know that there are people feeling lost, looking for direction. And many of you gathering here today have probably been at that place before. Maybe you're currently at that place in your mental state where you're wondering, what is my, what is my purpose? What are my next steps in life? What should I be doing? And I just want you to know this world is filled with a lot of self-centered garbage advice for you, right? Saying that you are the problem and that you are the solution and that it's all about you. Instead of talking more about what the world is offering to you, I want to tell you the truth today and point you to the good news of Jesus Christ, and I want you to hear how Jesus and the reality of Easter affects your direction. Easter affects your direction. So this is exactly where the gospel lesson leads us today from John chapter 10. I'm going to be rereading this. If you want to follow along in your bulletin, it will be back up on the screen. But in John chapter 10, Jesus says these words, I am the good shepherd. I'm the good shepherd. I'm the good shepherd. And what does a shepherd do? A shepherd feeds his sheep. He protects his sheep. He leads his sheep. Jesus is the shepherd and we are the sheep and this is good for us. Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd. So what is it that makes him good? Let's take a look at what he says here. Jesus says in John chapter 10, verses 11 through 13, I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. The wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. But I'm the good shepherd. 
Jesus says he's the good shepherd. What does a shepherd do? The shepherd is responsible for the sheep. I think a lot of us don't know a lot about sheep herding. I don't particularly. But the shepherd at this day and age was responsible for the sheep. The shepherd is more than just a hired hand, but the shepherd probably most likely did not own the sheep. The shepherd is, is um, charged with taking care of the sheep. The shepherd has the primary responsibility to care for the sheep when they're in the field, and then there are these hired hands as well who are there to help. Jesus says he's not a hired hand because this is what hired hands do. Hired hands are just that. They're hired hands, and they, they don't care so much for the sheep. They don't have a deep investment in the sheep. So Jesus says if a wolf were to come and to try to snatch a sheep from the flock, the hired hand doesn't care enough about the sheep to do anything about it. Most likely that hired hand cares so much more about himself that he doesn't even want to be near danger and he will just run and flee and go away. Right? The, the hired hand cares nothing for the sheep. I kind of know what this is like. If you think about the difference between uh, renting a home and owning a home. Uh, my wife and I rented for many years before purchasing a house here locally and in other cities as well. You know, when you rent a place, it's not that we didn't take care of our places, but there's always that attitude of, yeah, this isn't really mine. Like, I don't have to bear the full responsibility of the issues going on here. You know, there's a different kind of attitude about renting than when you own and it's all on you. It's, it's yours. If you want it taken care of, you got to take care of it, right? Jesus says the hired hands, they just don't care. They just don't care. Jesus is different than a hired hand. So how is he different? Well, let's go on to the next section and here's what Jesus says. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold and I must bring them also and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock and one shepherd. For this reason the Father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have the authority to lay it down, and I have the authority to take it up again. This charge I've received from my Father. You can imagine this scenario again, a flock of sheep and a wolf coming to attack. Right? Jesus is the good shepherd because he fights for his sheep. He fights for you. He puts himself in harm's way. Not even just fighting for you, but fighting for you even to the point of death. Laying down his life for you. Now some may look at that scenario and say, what a careless shepherd, right? He's willing to give up his life. What about the rest of the flock? Just because the wolf comes and eats one, now the whole flock is vulnerable, right? Would you say so? What does Jesus say here? He says, I have the authority to lay my life down, but he also has the authority to do what? to take it back up again. It's not careless for Jesus to lay down his life when he has the authority to rise from the dead. It's not careless at all. It is extremely caring for him to lay down his life. Jesus fights on your behalf. He does even this day. But even right now, there is no enemy, past, present, or future, that can have any effect eternally on your life. Sin? No. The devil? No way. Death? Not eternal. 
No enemy has power over you. I tell you all of this so that you will hear once again the trustworthiness of Jesus' direction. Jesus has a trustworthy direction that he's leading you on. So if you're feeling lost today in this life, if you're feeling lost without purpose or direction, I encourage you, don't look to yourself. Look to the Good Shepherd. Open your ears to hear his voice. Listen to him. Can you hear him calling out to you? He says that he knows your name. He knows you and his own know his voice. He has called you by name. It is his role to feed you, to protect you, and to lead you. You are his sheep, so are you willing and receptive to be led where he is leading you? As Christian people, we may want to come and have this resounding, yes, Lord, I'll follow you wherever you go. Lead me, right? Lead me. We want to say yes, but the world in which we live is crying out to us, just say no. Just say no. Listen to the messages that you hear in this world. We are taught in our culture that it's not good to be a follower. You don't want to get caught in the pack. You're supposed to make your own way, choose your own destination, be a leader, not a follower, right? We put all the emphasis on getting ourselves out in front that oftentimes people are so focused on that that they lose control as they're seeking to cheat, lie, steal, push, and shove to get in the front. You want us to follow Jesus? This world isn't teaching us to follow. But I will say to you, are you... Are you okay, Christian people, with following Jesus? Do you trust that where he's leading you is a good place? Are you okay being part of a flock, a family of Christian people? What would it mean for you if you wholeheartedly followed after Jesus as part of this Christian family? Here's what it would mean. It would mean that you would not be in competition with your fellow believers. There is no competition. There is no one more righteous among us. Instead, humbly, we all, rich and poor, educated and uneducated, healthy and sick, we all come and we stand at the same place at the foot of the cross of Jesus Christ. We are all sinners, we are all forgiven, and we all have value. We all have purpose, we all have direction, not because we've made it on our own, but because Jesus has given it to us. And maybe you'd say, okay, Jesus, I'm ready and willing to follow, but where are you going? Where are you leading us? Are you going anywhere? That's a great question. And the disciples actually had the same question for Jesus when they were following him. If you fast forward in the Gospel of John to John chapter 14, Thomas asked Jesus that question. You know Thomas, the guy we talked about, that doubting Thomas? Before his whole doubting thing, he said this to Jesus. Lord, we don't know where you're going. You ever feel like that? We don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now we as God's people, as sheep in this pasture, may not have all the answers. We're not given all the details about exactly where and how and the when and the what. But I ask you, do you believe this? Do you believe that Jesus is the way, that he is the way? Are you content with these words? This is what it means to follow after Jesus, to be willing and content to hear his voice and to follow willingly. 
I believe that from a Christian perspective, when we feel lost in this world, when we feel lost, it's, it's most often a result of not really hearing the voice of Jesus as he's speaking to us. Not, not hearing it, instead building ourselves up and putting ourselves first oftentimes leads us to feeling lost. So my encouragement to you is to take a step back and open your ears to hear the word of God. Jesus is the good shepherd. He's the good shepherd. And I believe that Christian people, if we cooperatively, as the body of Christ, encourage one another to also listen to him, there's no way for us to get lost. Jesus is speaking to us. We can hear his voice. We can encourage one another to pay attention and listen. And not just for us, but Jesus even specifically talks about those who don't yet know him. There are sheep in this world that belong to Jesus and they need to hear his voice. How will they hear unless you go and speak to them? All we need to do is open our ears to hear that word of Jesus guiding us and giving us direction. And the direction that Jesus is leading us, it's not just a temporary direction. It's not just purpose for today, even though it gives us that. It's eternal direction, eternal purpose, eternal direction. And if we believe that and we follow Jesus into eternity, that list of examples I showed you earlier, man, all those things, they, they simply to me seem like the answers that hired hands would have. Just hired hands saying, I don't know, go figure it out for yourself. I'm going to go take care of me. Will you take care of just you, or will you hear the voice of Jesus crying out, who is with all of you? Christian people, we need a shepherd. We need a shepherd. We need direction given to us. We cannot find ourselves on our own. And I will tell you that sheep without shepherd get into a lot of trouble. Sheep without a shepherd get into a lot of trouble. A few years ago, I was preaching a similar kind of message, and I had a video to demonstrate that sheep without a shepherd get into a lot of trouble. I couldn't think of a better visual representation than just to show this video again, because a lot of you haven't seen this. So, here's what happens to sheep without a shepherd. Good point, yeah? Sheep without a shepherd, just they, just they just go wherever they want, and it oftentimes leads into very dangerous places. My encouragement to you this day, Christian brothers and sisters, is let's not do life on our own. Don't just try to simply find yourself on your own. You've already been found. Don't try to create your identity on your own. You already have an identity. You're a child of God. You've been baptized into his precious name, his precious family. You're a child. You belong to him. You are part of his family. And I tell you, this is not a limiting thing. This is not an oppressive thing to be part of a pack to follow Jesus. It is an incredibly freeing thing. It's freeing because it, doesn't, it means you don't have to figure it all out on your own and you don't have to have it all figured out. Jesus has it figured out. 
He's leading. He's guiding. He is with you. He died for you. He rose for you. He's coming back. He is good. He's very, very good. Open your ears to hear his voice. He knows your name. Do you know his? Easter affects your direction now and for all of eternity. In the name of Jesus, amen.